0: If you want something to be successful, pour more of you in it than anything else. Because if you take the appreciation for creating it, other people are bound to see the love you have for it or the love you put in it. Even if they don't agree with it, they can still appreciate the passion, the love you put in it. And I think that's the one thing I, I think it, it reconfirmed for me. Keep pouring love into things. Keep doing Things that not only bring you joy, but you will work on at two o'clock in the morning when everyone else is asleep. Things that, you know, you will gladly do for free as well as make money on it. And, And to me, that's a guiding principle.
1: So uh, it's Jamie again, and welcome to another episode of the One World, Your Story podcast. Today is Friday, October 2nd, crazy, 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 October 2nd, 2020, and I am here with Chad Thompson. So excited to be speaking with you today. Um, The I don't know, would you call yourself, I would think creator rather than founder based on all the things you just told me about being creative, but the creator of the black market, would you say?
0: I would say that's fair. Yeah, that's, uh, it's a nice ambiguous title.
1: Yeah, <laughs> totally. And we could talk about what actually fits in there. But really at the end of the day, based on my understanding of what I know about you so far, which isn't a lot, is that you're creative. Um, an artist, really. Um, and looking to bring that and share that to the world. So um, any holes you want to fill in right off the bat about who you are and what you're up to these days, Chad?
0: No, I think that's pretty accurate. Um, And as far as what I'm into, it's a lot of things. And and that's both a gift and a curse because, you know, you have all these great ideas and you have all of these lanes that you want to play in, but there's only ever 24 hours in a day and you have to find time to eat and sleep. So I rob from one and, and pay to the other, but you know, that's really me right now. And I think um, the more I get the itch to, you know, explore a different Avenue in a different lane, I don't limit myself anymore. I just say, look, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do it. Whether it gets one view or a hundred thousand views, I'm going to take the same approach with it. I mean, it's, you know, because it's, it's a form of expression. I don't do it for, for recognition or accolades. I do it for me. And if it's appreciated outside, so be it. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm really in a good space right now as far as creativity is concerned and whatever lane I find myself in, I, I don't limit myself.
1: I love all of that. And by the way, you said you don't live it yourself anymore. Mm-hmm. Did something happen? Was there a switch? What, when did that change happen?
0: Um, I think it's maturation. And and when I say maturation, it's more along the lines of, you know, when you don't care how it's received. And that's not to mean that there is not an appreciation for other people's viewpoints. But it's more or less to say, I'm okay, whether, you know, this is widely regarded, or whether there's two or three people that are passionate about what I've done. Because, again, it's more about self-exploration. It's more about creativity and it's less about approval. It's less about getting some sort of recognition from someone else. So I think the, the freedom in that comes with not allowing yourself to use that as your guiding light, you know, and that by, I mean, you know, other people's viewpoints of what you're doing and how you're doing it. And for so long, you know, it was, you know, I'm going to make this so that people can like it or that they can retweet it or that they can, you know, I can get five or 600 likes on, on Instagram. I don't care about that anymore. (laughs) I mean, I'm 40 years old. I'm, I'm past that point. I, you know, I've been in corporate America. I've been on the creative side I've owned my own business for 20 years. I've done it all. And I've, the one thing I've found in that is I'm happiest when I don't care and when i don't care it 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 just frees me up to to do whatever it is that i feel like doing and really give me to it and and not color it with other people's perception in mine
1: yeah it's interesting i mean i think what i'm hearing from you is if you can let go of doing it for other people, then inherently you're doing it for yourself, which really at the end of the day is self-love. And how many people talk about that? It's like, how can you love somebody else if you can't love yourself first? How is the work that you're going to produce really like fulfilling and what you could actually do if it's for someone else when it's for you? That's when the magic really happens, you know? Um, So I love all of that. And curious to know how black market started within all of that, because. I mean, I imagine that was how many years ago did you start Black Market?
0: Oh, gosh. It's been three. It's been three years since I started that, but that's not the first venture I had. The first venture I had um, was the Dynamo Inc. company.
1: That was the graphic design business, right?
0: And with that, that's, you know, that gives you a glimpse into kind of how I operate and how I think. that started as graphic design, you know, multimedia, you know, the whole nine. But what I found is that through web design, through design, there was a, there was a limit to the expression that I could, that I could um, convey. Hmm. So I started blogging and the blogging started a while back on Facebook. Then I kind of got off Facebook and then on Instagram, I would comment and I would say things. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, I'm not like a one line person, so I don't do 180 characters or less because to me, thought in, in serious subject matter is a little bit more nuanced than that. So I'd find myself writing seven, eight, nine, ten 10 lines of, you know, feedback or perception on a topic. So I started blogging and that's how the black market started, because the topics where I felt like were either overrepresented or underrepresented was in the nuanced thought in the nuanced perspective of black Americans to everyday subject matter, because sensationalism really doesn't drive me. I, I, I you know anyone that knows me will tell you I am not an extreme right or an extreme left person when it comes to how I see things. I operate in the gray, and the gray to me is where you find the truth, and that's how I started the black market because it is primarily a perspective of very nuanced viewpoints on subject matter that tends to get sensationalized and it drove me nuts so that's how I started it and people started to read it so I kind of hit the pause button on it a few months back to say okay well well, the site looks a mess because I'm you know again I have my hand in 50 million things so I'm like I'm gonna have to sit down I'm gonna have to design it better so that's really where I've been the last three months is redesigning the site Doing the SEO on the back end, making sure that the graphics are up to par, you know, plugging everything in. And, and I'm about 95% of the way to re-releasing what I had previously released. Because
1: I'm,
0: you know, and it's like, all right, you know, starting to get some legs and 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 let's put some money into it. So that's really where I am. But, you know, it, it that's just me. I'm a I'm a nomad, you know, I'm a I'm a mental nomad, and, and things take me places. And I just, I was probably- going to say, how
1: can you be a nomad with 35 pairs of shoes just behind you? Come on.
0: And, and <laughs> that
1: can't see.
0: <laughs> the story around there is there's only four pair that I've actually put on my feet.
1: No way. Only Come four.
0: on. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Before I four- digress.
1: Yeah. We're going back to that before we end this episode to find out. Cause like, there's so much that you were just saying that I think That's- is important to talk about. um, First of all, what timing to start? And by the way, if I cut you off, there's something else that you wanted to say and all of that. Oh, no, you're good. Okay. Um, So three years ago, you started this. And I mean, 2017, we could say. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, I can't help but think about the timing relative to the political climate and what's going on right now, considering we're about to have the next round of presidential elections. Maybe if with what happened this morning in the coronavirus, I don't know. Um, but talk about a time when like all of these cr- topics were really coming to, to the surface. I think that uh, I'll just put it out there. I am wildly not a Trump supporter. Um, I'm sure anyone that's listened to my podcast knows that. Anyone in my life knows that. I don't
0: think I put myself in that category either.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good. Um, So I'll say that. But I think if there was a good thing that came out of it, it's that things were on earth. Uh, I think for some, how can you deal with something if you don't know it's there? It's like in AA, the first step is to admit you have a problem, right? Um, So all of these things started coming up. Is that part of why you think you were commenting more on Facebook and social media? mean, Talk to me about that.
0: Definitely. I think that goes back to the point that I said, I, you know, I'm, I'm better when I don't care. So up until that point, I really didn't care about social media. I didn't need to be on it. You know, I am, I'm kind of, um, I have an only child mentality when it comes to things like that. I am self entertaining. So when it comes to social, social is more of an outlet, than a than a avenue for me to get appreciation. But what bugs me and what has always bugged me about social media is the extreme, you know, right and left slant of everything. And that's why I would find myself commenting more because it seems as though, you know, anytime that that extreme viewpoints get airspace, I think that I think that overrepresents. You know, uh, viewpoints that are really on the fringe, and it underrepresents people who are in the middle. Just saying, look, this is noisy, so I'm gonna stand oh. outside, and you guys argue in this space because I just think is- it
1: eliminates that opportunity. Not it only it is it like overshadow it, just is like nope. And the only thing that exists is those extremes, which is bullshit. But like, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yep, yep. And that and that's the thing, and that's why you know when I when I would find myself in those spaces, it was annoying because I'm like, okay. First of all, you know any group of individuals. I don't care who it is. They're they're not a monolith. So there are different viewpoints even in a group. One hundred percent are underrepresented. They're undermentioned, underheard. But from the outside looking in, you tend to lump people, and then when you lump people, you tend to classify. And when you tend to classify, then you don't appreciate the things that make them unique inside of that group.
1: Well, what is racism? Hello.
0: So that's why I'm like, you know what? As a, as a black man living in America, there are some things that are uniquely uh, my experience. Mm. But there are other things that I collectively associate with and associate myself with when it so. comes to people who share the same skin color, same background, same socioeconomic status. So those are the things where I feel like, man, there are so many areas and so many places that we fail to tap into simply because we are naive to another person's story and that's kind of what got me to commenting and I said you know what I'm going to test this out because instead of making these lengthy posts on social media I'm just going to write on blog so if other people gravitate towards that and they can appreciate the nuance hopefully I've helped someone to gain enlightenment or insight but if no one views it it's at least an opportunity for me to get that out and for me to rationalize my own thoughts. So when, when I, I don't care. I, 100%. I'm <laughs> I mean,
1: for me writing is like, it's the best gift that I ever give mm-hmm. myself yet sometimes. And I'm like in the middle of going through, I told you I was feeling rusty yeah. and out of it. I'm like in the middle of going through, a. I guess you could call it a breakup, even though mm-hmm. we never officially like be, I don't, whatever. Um, and I don't even know why I just said that, but my brain is fried. Um, oh, my God. What were you just saying, Chad? Jesus. I'm like having the biggest brain. Uh, you were saying different topics.
0: Yeah.
1: Commenting no, on different like,
0: topics, the reason why.
1: No, there was one specific thing that you said. Oh, um, my God. There's a reason I brought that up. Wow. This is the first us. time. It's Friday. I've also done over a hundred of these, and I've never had like that big of a blank. Oh my goodness! Anyway, okay.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure I'm, you will cycle back around to it. It always. I will. Happens.
1: I have to stop thinking about it. I'm going to go on to something else. So, okay. You started this three years ago. You thought I'm going to give voice to these perspectives, or or at least my experience. Um, that maybe wasn't happening if people catch on to it great if they don't they don't clearly people have and now you're doing something over the last three months to make the website awesome um did something change because of coronavirus and you got more news on it did something change with the black market once you know george floyd was murdered like what has happened this year um and yeah, I'm going to leave it at that cuz there's like a million follow-up questions I could ask. But
0: Yeah, no, it's it's interesting that you ask that because I am very active in my church. So, um actually one of George Floyd's uncles is a member of my church.
1: Really? And so, well, I can't believe we haven't even said this. Where are you located exactly?
0: I am in Raleigh, North Carolina. Okay. So, um That is it's interesting because that kind of hit home in a different way.
1: Well, yeah, I imagine.
0: Yeah, and but the one of one of the things that is is kind of interesting that um I guess I really never thought about up to this point is that physiologically I have felt the change over the last four years. And when I say physiologically, I'm talking about just the I guess for lack of a better word, you can call it energy. You know, there's a different energy that you feel now, Um, whether you go out, whether you interact with people, whether it's the unspoken or the unmentioned, that energy is extremely tiresome. And I was talking to a few, you know, friends the other, you know, a few weeks ago and we were talking about how insufficient it feels like interactions are now that, you know, Mm -hmm. you're having conversations with people but there's something in the back of your mind that's like, yeah, you know, you're saying all these niceties, but who are you? And if I'm being totally honest, you know, anytime that I hear somebody speak, anytime that I see somebody do something or they have a viewpoint, I find myself asking myself, where are you on the political spectrum? And Mm -hmm. I, I interpret that as, can I trust what you're saying is genuine or is there a motive? And I think I've come to associate that motive with political ideology. Now, I don't always fashion myself somebody that has to agree with you to get along with you or to see your viewpoint. But I do think there's an area that sometimes people cross into where they are not allowing truth <laughs> and science and fact to guide their opinion and their, their um, viewpoints on things. And anytime I sense a person who's not being, uh, they're being disingenuous. I tend to detach. I'm just like, you know what? I I can't associate with that because, to me, there have to be a set of rules that you play by. And one of those rules is we have to call water wet. We have to call the sky blue. There's just certain things that we that are non-negotiable when it comes to me. And I think that that's part of that whole tiring energy that I've been feeling over the past couple of years. Is It's very difficult to really trust people and to take what they say at face value without looking at it and saying, yeah, you say that, but why are you saying it? Is that truly what you think or are you being disingenuous with me because you have an agenda or you have a motive? And I think when it it came to how that shaped my view of starting, um, not only starting the black market, but how I approached it, It was to really combat misinformation and give a different energy to what we've been experiencing. And I hope with people that view and people that read, I hope that they're picking up on that. But if not, again, that's my own way of just kind of getting it out and rationalizing it within myself. Because even at 40, this stuff, it's sometimes just mind boggling how weird it is.
1: <laughs> that's a really nice way of putting it Chad yeah it's weird it's weird um oh man I'm like what do I dig in first with what you said kind of and I don't really remember what I was going to say before but I know it was something along the lines of because why you were saying you even started the black market was okay you've got these extreme views on one side these extreme views on the other but how about everything in between to maybe find the truth somewhere in the gray area personally and you said oh there's just some things these truths with me that like there's no arguing the sky is blue kind of I mean someone might say the sky is kind of like a shade of white right now um so all of that to say is like
0: at least my crayon box says that the sky.
1: Is sure blue. sure and who got paid to come up with the name I think that the only truth is that one day we won't be here Exactly. Everything else is up for chance and interpretation, which actually is like extremely freeing on the one hand because it's like, oh, I don't have to actually view the situation in that way. Exactly. How, however, I do stand with you in that, like, there are just some basic things, in my opinion, that are right and wrong, mm-hmm. period, end of subject. And that, I think, is what is in question when it comes to people's political views right now because before it like wasn't about are you a good person or are you a bad person now i feel like that's what it comes down to like do you actually give a shit about there i go with the language chat i told you but like do you care about me as a human being or do you just care about your wallet i mean to me that's what it feels like and then there's layers within that about caring about me as a human being and it's so intense. It's never been as intense as it is. So I get what you're saying. And it's like, it's weird because I never thought about trusting people in that regard, but I think about it too. We're more polarized than we've ever, and I need okay. to know, especially now. And I like, feel like every month I say that it matters to me more now, but Jesus doesn't matter. Yep. Doesn't matter. And like, also, Okay. So there's all of that and I'm like, wow. But what do you think right now on your blogging? Uh What's the most important subject to talk about? What are you talking about?
0: Disinformation. Subjects with disinformation. Disinformation. You mean like news
1: on social media or I
0: think it's I think it's the, the propensity for people to not do their own investigating. It's the propensity for people to be disingenuous about how they internalize information i think it's also people's proclivities for sharing lies what's proclivity you know in in terms of like proclaiming yeah you know it's 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 just that 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 urge or that 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 want yeah yeah something that is just so anti and you know to me you know when you look at anything that's, that's, you know, society, if you look at society, you know, society has to function on, on basic rules and tenets. People agree, this is how we're going to behave. This is how we're going to govern ourselves. That is, that is collective, but there's a personal responsibility that comes with it. And I think anytime. Wait, it's just,
1: wait, 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 is that collective? And do we agree to it? Or is that like a small portion of people saying, this is what you have to do?
0: Well, um, I, I think it's both. I think it's both because you have you have the common rules that people agree to abide by themselves. So so you can consider that morality. There's just certain things that, that just aren't OK. I don't care what faith you I don't care what you believe They're, you know, harming children. That is not OK. I don't care where you are. But there are certain things that are more nuanced than that, such as should rich people pay more taxes or less taxes? I think that when in a society, there are certain things that are non-negotiable. And when those things that are non-negotiable start to become negotiable, or you see them getting explained away, that's where I think society starts to unravel.
1: Okay, well, great. Then is white supremacy non-negotiable? Non-negotiable. So then what, and that's why our society is, I mean, let's talk about what happened at the debates. Like, flat out, the current president of this country is asked... To denounce the Proud Boys and White supremacists. And he's like, Well, what? And he can't do it and tells them to stand back and stand by.
0: Word salad. So <laughs> <laughs> it is. And but but you you have, and that's where I don't have to agree with your ideology. But when I see that, it makes me question: okay, we're at a point now to where we're negotiating things that were not negotiable before that that's new territory that's 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 a different game we're no longer playing soccer we're playing something else we're no longer we're no longer talking about where we want to be as a community or as a country we're talking about who are we and that that's a much more fundamental question well, than aspirational it sure
1: is and i ha- i mean are we playing a different game mm-hmm. or is that the game that we've actually been playing this whole time and none of us really knew so I wanted to admit it. that, like, that's what I'm really, because this isn't new as come on. Hmm. This isn't I think new. There's a reason why you were giving voice to black voices and opinions three years ago before this movement started with George yeah. Floyd, right? This isn't new. So I don't know. Are we playing a different game? Is it the I, same game?
0: I, I, I look at it in terms of, you know, I think the game has always been the same. There are inherent flaws within the system that have always needed to be reimagined, reconstructed, reconfigured. The difference is, I think that it's just like the ebb and flow with anything else. There are times where it's manageable. There are times where it's not perfect, but you can see the progress. Then there are times where the temperature gets turned up and it feels like, oh my God, this is different. It's not different it's just that somebody turned the volume up on it. And, and it's, it's just like listening to music. If you turn the volume down, I don't care what you're listening to. You you can kind of manage through it. It's not your favorite song, but it's not getting on your nerves either. You crank the volume up on it. Now it's uncomfortable. And now it's starting to affect you and impact you in ways Mm -hmm. such as, you know, not only do I not like it, but I am, I have a, physical and a physiological response to it. And and it's becoming physically and mentally and socially uncomfortable. And I think that's where we are, that a lot of the things that have really been under the rug have the volumes gotten turned up on it. And now it's loud and people have to confront it. Now the tiring part about that is not only are we having to confront it, but now we're having to hear people's viewpoints on whether (laughs) or not these things are valid. And see, that's the frustrating part is anytime that I feel like you try to rationalize another group's pain or you try to rationalize somebody else's viewpoint, I think that's off limits. I don't think I should ever comment on a woman's pain. I'm not a woman. I need to listen and say, okay, well, if I don't understand it, seek seek understanding. If I have questions, ask them. But my opinion in that moment should not, or, or my guiding light in that moment shouldn't be to justify whether or not it's valid. Because to me, you have really just undone everything that came before that. And I think that we are so inclined to want to give an opinion instead of being in a posture of listening, that that's where we are. We we do a lot of talking and not enough listening.
1: I agree on your last point. I mean, on a lot of the things that you say, but I think it's especially important when we're talking about let's just put it, call it bluntly. And then I mean, if the experience that I assume that you're talking about is experience of race and racism, right? Say, Hey, that was racist. Like, and then I'm going to sit here as a white person. No, it wasn't. Um, that's BS. I mean, I identify as queer. I'm also Jewish. And there's plenty of times where I experience something that based on the entire 32 years of my life, that's gonna trigger me really differently than it might trigger you. Who are you to say that my feelings are invalid? Or if I'm in an abusive relationship, it's the Mm -hmm. same kind of thing. Um, My feelings are my feelings. Doesn't mean that you have to own them, but you can acknowledge them.
0: Exactly. It It costs you nothing to acknowledge my pain.
1: And why do we have to say, hey, no, that's not true. Because by the way, when I do that it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with my exactly. own feelings of like, oh, God forbid I didn't do that. Like, I'm not a bad, that's all like my own white fragility bullshit, you know, coming into play. Um, and it eliminates, yeah, anything that you might be talking about.
0: So That's an important part, though, because when you talk about if, if, if my immediate reaction to somebody else's experience or pain is to qualify or disqualify you have to ask yourself, what am I gaining by doing that? Right. You know, just because somebody says, you know what? I was racially profiled as a person who may not be a part of that group. Does that take something away from you to, 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 have to acknowledge, you know what? I've never sat in that seat. I've never been through that. Help me understand more. Or if you don't just say, Hey, you know, I'm sorry. I I just don't have any frame of reference or any perspective to either appreciate what you've gone through or to, to be able to lend help. But I think when you have an opinion that qualifies and disqualifies, not only does it rob that person of their experience, basically saying, well, well you were mistaken by what you saw. You were mistaken by what you felt. Like, really, we're doing that now? Um, but I think it also puts that person who's making that comment in the spotlight to say, why are you so interested? in disqualifying my experience?
1: Well, I think that it has to, it's a really weird thing because there's only certain topics in which someone's going to disqualify or qualify your feelings. And I think that when it has the potential to reflect something back on them or Mm -hmm. that group of people, whatever. Because if someone says, walks outside and is like, oh, I'm cold. No one's going to say to you, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't feel cold. Like, come on. Because it has no relevance to me. I don't, it's not personal. The second it could become personal. But why does your experience have anything to do with me as a person? Unless, and, and maybe it does. Because maybe I was a part of that experience. But still, like, there's, I don't know. It drives me crazy. I get it. And I also really don't get it on the other hand. Um, I think,
0: I think that just goes to the point of, you know, if, if you, if you extend people latitude and grace, really two things I try to live by, extend them latitude to, to express themselves and say, even though you may do say, have viewpoints, live a lifestyle that I don't agree with, doesn't give me the right to make your life uncomfortable because of how I see the world. I live by a few simple truths. Are you breaking the law? <laughs> is what you're doing to me morally reprehensible? If those are the, the basic things and I can say, you know what? That's, this, that's their life. What they do behind closed doors, what they do with their money, what they do with whomever they choose to love is not my business. The only time it becomes my business is when it starts to infringe on the community in a negative way. And my perception of negative is, are the things I laid out. Is it morally corrupt or is it something that is criminal? And outside of that, I don't care. And that's, that's part of where I think a lot of people have to get to. Stop caring about what adults do. If it doesn't meet that criteria, detach yourself and your emotions from it. Because I think that's where we experience a lot of, um disconnect we experience a lot of strife is because we associate and we connect ourselves with so many things that just really aren't our business like, we your business. make
1: it personal <laughs> we make it personal and it has nothing to do with us nothing and and i think that everything that we do in life what we say the actions what we choose it comes down to fear or love right yeah. that's it and if you're choosing love Half of the, more than half of the stuff that we're talking about, just doesn't exist, but we're all afraid of each other. What are you going to take from me? What are you going to make that mean about me? And it's just a bunch of BS. Even Um, if it's something that we
0: can't can't take.
1: (laughs) Yeah. A hundred percent. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So, okay. Which by the way, you can't take my dignity. You can't take, the amount of love that I give to myself or what I tell myself about myself, but I think that you can based on the things that you say. And we try to do it to other people mm-hmm. all the time. Um, that's why, you know, there are groups and classifications of people to make someone better than or worse than. And, exactly. Okay, I want to switch subjects. Kind yeah. of. Because I want to talk about the videos that you released and the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I listened to a little bit of it, but talk to me about that adventure what's the message that you're trying to get to people um yeah well i'm gonna leave it open-ended like that and then we can dig into more detail yeah
0: so you know it's it's one of those things especially with um a, a few of the songs that i probably have a couple of hundred instrumentals that i've put together over the years starting back around maybe 20 2005 maybe that's when I first started like messing around, dabbling in music. But um, I picked up a guitar in 2012, self-taught, you know, kind of doodled around and you see that's one back there, but I have four more on the shelf. Uh, that's another one of my I see
1: two, unless one's a bass and one's a guitar.
0: That one is my daughter's. That's her oh, okay, okay. first. And she, you know, I end up playing it. It's a toy and it it has a it has a unique sound and i end up playing it so much because it sounds so cheap. <laughs> and I'm like oh my god that's and You like
1: amazing. that?
0: I love it. And it's the <laughs> just the crappiest guitar to play. Um, but I but I like it and I you know that's kind of where it started is because um, you know just really an outlet to create and i really wanted to connect you know um, audio with um, kind of some video material that I was looking to put out. So that's where it started. But me being the person that I am, I spent more time creating music than I did working on videos. So all the video ideas that I have, I have them kind of in my phone and say, okay, I need to get around to this content at some point. But really between the website and making music, that is just kind of taken on its own journey. So I said, well, if I'm making it, I might as well put it out and, and clean it up and package it up So that's where I really, you know, jumped out there and put some stuff on iTunes, put it on Spotify title, you know, all the major platforms, but it's really just to coincide and just start releasing things. Because again, you know, my, my, my main goal is to share, just share my experience. And while they're instrumentals, now there will be words over them, uh, soon enough. Um, but it's just really about taking what I've created. Polishing it up, not keeping it for myself, and just really putting it out there and say, okay, well, if somebody can find inspiration from this, if this cheers somebody up, if this makes somebody's day, great. Because it's not helping anybody sitting on my hard drive. So that's really kind of where I am. And that's, I'm glad that you brought up at the beginning, you know, being vulnerable, because I'm very protective of my art. I'm very protective of what I create. But I am trying to release that. protectiveness and vulnerability and i'm trying to be more open and and to allow my experience to to at least be put another person's life and another person's experiences in context and even, and even if they don't feel like they can do something at least hopefully my being able to do it or at least attempting to do it can give them enough for inspiration so ah, well if he can do it you know i can do this because like i said i mean i'm almost well i am 40 um i don't look it and act it but I feel like I don't have anything to lose.
1: <laughs> age, you brought up your age a couple of times yeah. during this talk. I'm just saying, what, did you recently turn 40? Is this a new thing? I did. I
0: did. Okay. <laughs> and and, and 40, 40 was actually a milestone for me. And it's one of those milestones, and it's kind of personal for me. I had an uncle who, um, he passed at 44, and he, um, he had kidney failure at 32. hmm and I've always viewed my mortality as being every day is not, you know, it's not guaranteed. It's not promised. Mm. So I, I view myself and I view myself in the context of society differently. Mm. You know, I don't, I don't sweat small stuff. I don't, um, I try not to let petty arguments fester. I try to appreciate people for who they are. I try to live in the moment I, and, and that's really kind of what guides me now is to, to take every experience and maximize it because you never know when it's going to be over. So, you know, if, if, if you have music on your heart, whether it's, you know, some wood blocks and some cymbals, put it out.
1: Or a cheap guitar, put (laughs) it out there.
0: Or a $20 guitar from Target. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, I'm sorry about your uncle that's really young. Um, And I had a dog, my dog um, passed suddenly almost two years ago now, Um, and he was almost six, Adam, since he was five weeks old, and I feel really blessed that like, Mm -hmm. to me, that's one of the most traumatic, the most traumatic um, Mm -hmm. experience with death, but those things rattle you, and Mm -hmm. I think that everything happens just as it's supposed to, Mm -hmm. even if it's really hard, and that happened with your uncle, right, so you have a different perspective, on how you live life, which, by the way, is a beautiful one to have, I think, um, if we could all have that a little bit more. Um, I think it's a practice, though, every day. Yeah. It is. It
0: is. It's yeah. intentional. That is, that is key. It is definitely intentional.
1: Yeah. Um, and by the way, so is choosing to be vulnerable and sharing your stuff, living on the other side of fear. You're choosing to share, which is love, rather than be scared of like what someone's gonna think of it. And so you don't share. I mean, it's beautiful not just for you, but for everybody that's a part of your community um and follows you. And I love that you brought up the vulnerability thing. I was gonna say that too. So you took the words out of my mouth. Um how old's your daughter, by the way?
0: She's fifteen
1: she's 15 okay is she your only kin
0: she's the only one
1: okay cool i mean what a good role model to have i think so okay one thing i want to go back to um, on the black market really quickly is this isn't just about you right like you didn't create this just to share what you're blogging about or music to give voice to other voices Mm -hmm. um i'm saying this because of the name of it and something i think you said before specifically black voices Talk to me about that.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I think that one of the things that, um, so I attended an HBCU, I attended Winston-Salem state university. And one of the eye popping things for me is when I, you know, first showed up at, at, you know, campus, you know, I'd gone to two high schools and both one was probably 85% white. The other one was probably 90% white. Um, my experience. By the
1: way, sorry to interrupt, but anyone that's listening that doesn't know HHSBC, historically black college and university. Oh, okay, yeah. um, If I don't know, you intentionally, I imagine, chose to go to one based on your high
0: school experience. I did. Okay. I and and part of that was location proximity. Is um, I was I'd been living in North Carolina for a few months before attending college. Um, Had a few scholarships, a few places, um, you know, a few colleges. I'm originally from South Carolina. So I had a few, you know, scholarships in South Carolina. Could have gone to the University of South Carolina, which is one of the colleges that, you know, even to this day, I still follow. Um, But, you know, what really changed my perspective is I went on a visit to the school. Now, granted, (laughs) when you show up on some campuses, there are certain amenities that you're just like, wow, you know, student union and all this, that and the other. Winston-Salem State really didn't have any of that at the time. What really attracted me to the school was a diverse student population, even though it was predominantly Black. And, you know, the person that I am today, kind of fast-forwarding to the Black market, the appreciation that I have for the, um, the nuanced experiences in the Black community stems from an HBCU experience. Because there were students from every walk of life you know, um, well-to-do students from, you know, middle-class students from abroad, you had students who, you know, they may have come from uh, beginnings that may not have been as, as, uh, you know, not wealthy or what have you, but you had a chance to experience what your entire community looked like. And it gave me an appreciation for not only myself, it gave me appreciation for where others come from. Because I think sometimes we tend to look at ourselves and we tend to over glamorize our struggles and the things that we've gone through. And then I see other people and I'm like, Whoa, you, you had to do that to get here. Um, And it really put me into context, which was helpful because I think that's what allows me to have an appreciation for other people's experiences because I know that I'm not here by what I've done. I'm not here because of my own success and the things that I've done. I'm here because there were a lot of people that helped me. There were a lot of people that helped me, a lot of people that saw things in me and they gave me opportunities even when I didn't deserve it. So I look at that and I say, I can never get you know, never get too high on my own accomplishments, never get too far into thinking, you know well, I'm just great. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm here because somebody saw enough in me to help. And I really feel like if I had not had that experience, that maybe my perception of who I am and how I fit into this larger paradigm, it it may not be as clear. And I never want to get to the point to where I am um, selling myself short, but I also don't want to be in the situation where I am uh, overstating my importance.
1: God, it's so I'm so glad that you bring up this point about Okay. So the, what's the word that I'm looking for? Not a ladder, but there are layers of oppression, right? Like I'm a woman, but as I said, I'm also Jewish. I'm also queer. There's layers to that. Right. And within each of these groups, there is still vacuums and silos and like stereotypes of what it even is to be a part of that group and what it looks like. And so thinking about going to an HBCU and all of a sudden being like, you kind of see like, wait a second, like even my own stereotypes of what Mm -hmm. I think it means to be part of this group. Whoa, mind blowing. And then it does put your own Mm -hmm. perspective and reality in check. And I think that's really beautiful. Um, for me, sometimes I have experiences where I'm like, yeah, I have had to go through a lot. And then it's like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, no, you've, you've <laughs> also had some really amazing experiences and help along the way. I think right. really cool point and makes sense that then would want to give voice to all of those different experiences. Um, what would you say is the biggest thing that you have learned from creating this online community that you didn't expect?
0: Hmm. I've learned a lot. Um, one of the few things I've, I think I've, I've learned, and this is more uh, introspective than anything is that, you know, anytime I put my mind to something, I can, I can make it come to fruition, but it's not about the end goal for me. It's about the journey. The journey is what teaches me the most about a situation, which is why I stopped emphasizing the end result. Because through the journey, I kind of taught myself or, or retaught myself because that was my original um, major in college was, was graphic design, which you know had a web design slant on it. But I really taught myself really, really difficult web applications and web development applications and background SEO. And it, it really kind of confirmed for me that I am my own limit. And that if you want something to be successful, pour more of you in it than anything else. Because if you take the appreciation for creating it, other people are bound to see the love you have for it or the love you put in it, even if they don't agree with it they can still appreciate the passion, the love you put in it. And I think that's the one thing I, I think it, it reconfirmed for me. Keep pouring love into things, keep doing things that not only bring you joy, but you will work on at two o'clock in the morning when everyone else is asleep. Things that, you know, you will gladly do for free as well as make money on it. And, and to me, that's a guiding principle. I'll know how much I love it if, if I do it in my spare time. If I wouldn't do it in my spare time, nah, it's, it's not for me. And to me, that's what really the black market is. Is I have probably spent, and and I I keep I keep numbers even on the own my own work, but I have probably put no less than five hundred man hours just into the website, just the website. And I'm thinking, I'm like, it is it's one site, but everything from the store to the you know, the front page to the blog, to the, you know, the connections, all the interconnectivity, the SEO measurements, uh, the Google, the Google analytics, I plugged all that in just as kind of, this is my part-time thing and um, takes a lot of time. It takes time away from the other things that I like to do, like making music, Um, I also have a print shop in my garage, (laughs) Um, but it's it's just one of those things. I'm like, I love it. I like to do it. I want to see it look good. I want to see it be successful, and and I I want other people to have a certain feeling and experience when they get there. But not only did I put time in writing my thoughts, but I want you to look. I want you to appreciate what it looks like when you get there. Now, it's not where I want it to be, but I feel like there there can be an appreciation for it when people visit. And again, you know, I I kind of think back to my mom's, um, her house, she had one room that no one can go in. She kept it pristine. Everything in it was white. The, the carpet, the, the, you know, the chairs. But I think about that experience is sometimes she would go into that room and she would just sit. And just being in that environment made her feel good. And everything that I create, I want it to feel good. I want it to feel like that there is some release or some reprieve that you get being here. Um, and when I make things, that's kind of what I have in mind is I want you to have an experience when you're there.
1: Okay. I just think that you are wonderful, Chad, and I'm so glad that we got connected. Um, so first of all, I love the idea of having an experience. I don't think that there's a creative out there. I mean, in my head, create creative creativity goes hand in hand with art. And I feel like when you, like you said, you're your own limit, right? Like you're putting you into that. You can't really not have the feeling. It's like the energy thing you were talking about and the shift in energy. That's all we are at the end of the day. That's all anything is that we create. And you can feel that energy when it's, you know, true and genuine to the heart. I also love what you said about being our own limit. And it's like, God, I'm sitting here kicking myself in the butt with all going back to my breakup and brain fart that I was talking about. It's like, there are things and it's like building this podcast and this business, mm-hmm. like, it's scary. Which
0: I think is amazing, by the way.
1: Thank you. Um, it's scary when you do put yourself in there, right? Especially as a creative because it is vulnerable, mm-hmm. like you were saying, and it's so easy to be like, Ugh, I'm going to pull back and I could have a thousand people around me supporting this, which I do, right? Mm-hmm. And not to say that I'm bragging. I'm only saying that because even with all the support, if I don't actually do it, mm-hmm. nothing happens. Of course, I'm the only limit. And I also have actually no idea what my limits are. Just like you don't. It's like, oh, you put out your music. Who knows what's actually going to happen, but you actually do it. Um, And by the way, maybe this will become your first, like, not your part-time thing. Like, reading about all this entrepreneur stuff. I mean, one of the guiding things that so many people say is find something that no matter how much non-money you're making or how many times you fail, you're still going to want to get up and do it every
0: day. Interesting story. Because like I said, I, I... you know, I have this firm belief in three to five streams of income. <clears throat> I have a full-time job. That's, and that's where I don't think I mentioned that. Of course you do. <laughs> full-time job. And in my full-time job, Other I. Than being a and, dad. A, and, a, and a dad, which is, which is probably the most interesting part of, of my life is the, the family dynamic that, that we have. It's, it's crazy.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but, <laughs> We're going to need know, to have
1: another episode to talk about all
0: that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All my dad stories. I can tell some of my bad dad jokes. Um, Yeah, my daughter would kill me if she knew I was telling those. Um, But yeah, I think think one of the things about, you know, being in this space right now is that I could find an excuse to say I don't have time. Totally. I work 50 to 60 hours a week in my full-time job. I am a a manager at a fortune 500 company. I have direct, I have direct reports. Um, I have P and L responsibility. So this isn't my full time. I don't have endless hours to dedicate.
1: Well, damn. Okay.
0: So what I do is I, I have an amazing wife that she operates everything in the home. And I'm like, I would be a, a dirty, smelly mess if it wasn't for her. Um, but she's she's amazing at what she does, which is keep me sane, keep everything else around here running. But it allows me that freedom and flexibility to venture into these things. And what I have found is that I had I have more time than I thought I had. Mm. I found myself wasting a lot of time. Of
1: course. So-
0: television you know just scrolling through instagram doing whatever youtube youtube is my is my pitfall um (laughs) yeah i listen to youtube in the shower which is scary
1: oh my god
0: yeah there's there's no instagram
1: is my kryptonite for sure
0: like there's got to be a clinical uh a definition for for what i'm doing you know it's like stay off youtube um social dilemma yeah, But that's my, that's my opportunity to learn because I, I'm a constant processor of information and, you know, I've found myself more or less in the past couple of months. I want to take in as much information as I can Sure. because I don't, you know, I'm, I'm in the posture of like, I don't know what I need. You know, I don't know what I don't know. So let me see if I can find that out. Mm. And what I find myself is even though I may listen to hour upon hour upon hour of, of YouTube videos, I find myself picking up more habits than information Mm -hmm. so habits of successful people like somebody can say oh well you bake a cake this way and then you turn around and watch another one they say well you bake it this way and you're looking at it and you're like well there's two different ways but the common thread that you find in there is they got off their behind and they did it sure sure and and to me processing that way helps me to really read between the lines to say well to be successful you don't always have to be the best Sometimes you just have to be present. You have to be available. You have to put it out there. Um, and that's kind of where I branched off. So, you know, working full time, having the things that, you know, I wanted to do, I had to find the time to do it. So again, I have a full print shop that's in my garage. I still do graphics, um, and websites and all those things. I manage my own businesses. I have two right now. Um, And I do no marketing. I have no ads. I have no commercials. And I was thinking the other day while I was going through you know some accounting software, and I did six figures in one year with no marketing in just the black market in Dynamo Inc Company. And I'm like, how did I do that?
1: (laughs) And yet you still feel like you have to have this full time job and all this stuff. My goodness. I mean, good. But I
0: just love what I do. I don't. I don't. I just love it, and and it to me, it's not work. It's it's, I would be doing it if I weren't making a dollar, and that's why really? I think it's so sustainable.
1: And you can hear the passion in your voice, like you said, you wouldn't be up at two in the morning doing it, you yeah. know, you do it otherwise. <laughs> and I mean, I think it's amazing, I really do, and that you have the support of your family to be able to do it. I mean, what someone told me this one time, like. I'm going to botch how it goes. But basically, it's like, if you want something done, ask a busy person. Mm-hmm. It's crazy because in the beginning, you're like, oh, there's only 24 hours in a day. But the amount of time that we do waste, like, doing nothing. I mean, it's, it's wild. So um, you're inspiring. Absolutely. I love it. I also think it's really funny that we started this conversation with me being like, yeah, you, you know, the creator of the black market and you're a creative. What else? You're like, well,
0: I think that's it. Like, that. <laughs> that's far from it there's so much so much to know and to, to- always, i never overstate my importance because again i i am a member of, of a community and you know i <laughs> i told my wife i said i'd be glad if i make a dollar you know as a businessman because i give away more than i than i actually feel like i'm selling um because i, I to me it's passion I, is, I'm passionate about things. I don't see myself as being amazing or great. I just see myself as like, you know, God gave me a gift. I'm going to use it. And it's so really, as long as I use it, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And I feel like that if you keep things to yourself and you feel like everything needs to be traded for a dollar, I think you lose the thing that makes it what it is. And if people appreciate it, you will find either payment or gratitude on the back end and you will never have to ask for it. But if you sell people and you proposition them and you, you're constantly, you know, buy my thing, buy my thing, people don't have an appreciation for you. They may appreciate the product, but you, the person or you, the entity, turns them off. And that's just not my energy. I
1: I mean, there's so many things that all go back to the things that we've already talked about. Right, and again, it's fear or love. Are you doing it because it's like I'm got to make money, and I'm doing this because of that? Are you doing it because you love it and you want to share that? And da 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 da. I mean, it's like people think that oh, I have this gift or this talent. I've got to hold on to it because someone's gonna steal it. Mm-hmm. BS. Like you said, you were given a talent. I was, and everybody was. Like Oprah, you know, pass out the talents. Um, but what actually happens is when I shine my light on yours. Mm-hmm it becomes brighter together. It doesn't get dimmed at all. It will get dimmed on its own, right? The battery is going to die. So um, I think it's amazing what you're doing. Keep at it. I like want to just know you more as a person now. I'm like,
0: Oh, I'm always welcome to come back. Just let me know.
1: Okay. (laughs) Uh, It was amazing.
0: And and I will tell you, um, I, I liked what you said there. Um, because I think as creative. Sometimes there's a competitive spirit that gets kind of sometimes. ingrained. <laughs> I'm trying to be, I, look, I'm trying to be PC here. <laughs> I think there, there's, a, there's a competitive spirit that, that gets pushed, that you know somehow there's $1 to be made and we're fighting for it. I don't think that's true. I think that we can all, I think rising tides lift all boats. So you extending me the invite, I could easily say, well, why should I do that? that's not how I see the world. Why not? Like, let, let me extend, you know, to help somebody else build. And I just thank goodness somebody saw enough in what I was doing to invite me. I mean, that's, to me, that's amazing. And I I feel like that as creatives, we can give each other the type of exposure that we know is so hard to come by sometimes, or just to help somebody promote something and not ask for anything in return. And at some point in time, that's going to be repaid back to you. That's what I firmly believe. And I, you know, I, I firmly believe that there are, there are things that you can pick up from experiences that you have. And I feel like this is one of them because, you know, just good dialogue and good exchanges of information with people that you have never met, um, it, it can be highly rewarding. And I feel today like, man, you know, I really, really enjoyed this. This was really fun.
1: Oh, it's inspiring. I like leave. I'm like, oh, I'm lit up from this conversation. And thank you for saying all that. I just appreciate you saying yes. And it's funny. Cause I was going to ask, why did you say yes? I don't think I have to ask that now. It's like, like why not <laughs> Exactly, clearly. <laughs> so and new. I think it's amazing. And it's funny. Cause I was talking to my friend, Amelia this week, she's reading this book about money and mm-hmm. the three words. I'm not like a resolution kind of gal, mm-hmm. but uh, for new year's this year, I was like, okay, my three words, my like, intention what i want to live by is joy love and abundance abundance like why don't we choose to live into that instead it's like well here's a saving on this and here's a great deal it's like well, why don't even just our mindset about money like work a little bit differently and if you believe in quantum physics or the law of attra- any of that stuff it's just a language shift, a shift in perspective going back to all the stuff we've talked about now yep Go ahead, go ahead. Whatever. No,
0: no. You you said something because I think it's Maya Angelou that says if you can't change your if you can't change your position or situation, change your perspective. And that's intentional. That's that's mental. And I think that a lot of what we endure is because we feel like we have to have a position or we have to take a position that we have no alternatives.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: you can choose how you see the world. You can choose how you see your situation. And. Not you men,
1: up, We do in every moment.
0: Exactly. And, and, and I think one of the things that illustrates that for me is when I grew up, we weren't poor, but looking back on it, I thought we had a lot more money than we had. Mm. And when I think about it, I, you know, I think about it and I say, there were a lot of days. And, and I'll I told my wife, this story, the, the first time we met, I said, I have a really close relationship with my family you know, my extended family, my grandparents, my aunts and uncles. And I said, the reason that is, you know, the case is because my mom was a full-time teacher as a, as a single mom. And there were times where we would go through the week and we would eat dinner at my grandparents' house. I thought we were just going over there to have fun. You know, I was like, I'm oh, going to grandma and grandpa's. Yeah. Come to find out my mom was broke. She had no money to, to, for us to eat that day. And I, you know, I look back and I say, that was my perspective then. Nobody told me otherwise, but growing up now, I have an appreciation not only for my grandparents that i I got to spend that time with them and thank goodness they're still alive um my That's grandpa, my grandfather he's eighty two and he still tries to drive and he not he's so a pastor, yeah he's a pastor and he pastors in like rural north carolina so he drives like two hours every sunday to pastor and he's been Dang. doing this
1: for years. good for him so
0: wow that's where i'm like anytime that i say oh i'm tired i gotta think like my granddad is 82 and he gets up every morning i have no excuse get up oh, <laughs> I love that. social pressure but no <laughs> i i i think back and i'm like you know what i've been blessed i've been blessed not not because we've had a bunch but i've i have people around me that i absolutely love to death they love me and that's my perspective. I can, I can look and say, well, I don't have this. And that's because I grew up and I didn't have a lot. I choose to look at the world differently. And I said, I am who I am because of that, not in spite of that. And that's, that's yes. how I choose to see things.
1: Yes. It's a simple statement. It's a, literally, I mean, something as simple as saying, life doesn't happen to me. It happens for, for me. me. Right? Just that simple statement changes. Yep everything yes. that happens at every moment you say oh we can choose i'm like no actually we do choose mm-hmm. sometimes we're conscious to it and sometimes we're not yes. that's the practice um so okay dad oh my god we keep talking for a long time i gotta wrap it up and bring it back to your shoes why have you only worn four out of the 35 i told you we were gonna end by talking about that
0: so, first pair of Air Jordans that I ever owned was in 1986. My grandfather, who was a, a security guard at the Smithsonian, would come down every summer, with my grandmother. And before school, I would always get one pair of shoes. Well, I take it back to the story about, you know, us growing up, we didn't really have a ton. We had, you know, we weren't poor, but like, yeah, we had some financial issues at, at times. But my grandfather would come down and he would tell me, you can get any pair of shoes you want. So I knew, if you take my shot. I'm going for the Air Jordans. The first <laughs> pair of Air Jordans that I ever owned was Air Jordan 3s. The cement, um, the, the cement black and white. Love those shoes. Well, fast forward, I always promised myself, I said, you know what? When I grow up and I start making my own money and you know, I become this executive and whatnot, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy shoes and I'm going to collect sneakers. The reason I've only worn four of them is because I used to have to stretch a pair of sneakers from summer to Christmas and from Christmas to summer. So I had to be really pragmatic about you can't wear them to school today because there's going to be recess and they recess. You're going to want to play, and you can't play in your new shoes. So we can't wear those today. <laughs> and I still, I still practice that to this day. If it's raining, if it's muddy, if I'm going to be outside, they stay in the box. That's I have a full-time French. job. I can't oh wear sneakers God. to work. So they sit there. And some of them, I think some of them probably, if I if I go on StockX or another trading site, some of them are so old, they've probably, you know, gained two, three, four hundred dollars in value.
1: Shut up. Okay. What's the most valuable pair? How is a pair of sneakers? I bought these Nikes one time, I'll admit it. I lived in Boston for like eight years and there's this crazy bodega that like you go in and you have to like walk through the Snapple machine to get to it and then there's this crazy shoe store. I told oh, you. That's amazing, See, that,
0: those are the best kind.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> so I bought these Nike high tops that were from some like fashion show and they were like bright orange soles and black but then they had these like crazy graffiti, anyway. They were like 250 bucks. I would say that's like the most expensive pair of sneakers I ever bought. And I still, to this day, I'm like, how did you, why did you do that? They were awesome though. But okay. What's the most expensive pair you think you have?
0: So the most expensive pair that I think I have are a pair of Air Jordan 11s. They call them graduations. So they're okay. patent leather black. They're suede. Um, probably Patent leather and them. suede? Mm-hmm. It came out about two or three years ago okay. and on resale, they are probably 460, 470 bucks. Like if I just told that, you know, you know, resold them today because they're never worn. I was so going to say,
1: right? Like if they're good.
0: Yeah. They're, so, so I, like 80% of my shoes are dead stock and dead stock. Just really means well, why buy never them been you're your-
1: never going to wear them.
0: Because there's, well, there's really one main like model that I like, and it's the Air Jordan 6. I've always loved the Air Jordan 6. I was a Bulls fan growing up. I love sneakers. I was a sneakerhead. I was so much of a sneakerhead that I would draw the shoes I couldn't afford to buy. (laughs) So that's kind of how I got started with art. So I would draw shoes, and I would say, oh, you know, if I, if I work for Nike, I would make it look like this. So I, I would draw shoes and my mom would be like, you know, you have to stop drawing sneakers on your- Did you ever send computer. them in
1: or try to work for Nike? Come on.
0: No, it, it just, it ended up becoming my art projects in school. <laughs> <laughs> but you no, know, I, you know, I buy them because I like them and I, I have the full intention of wearing them. Problem is I stick them in the box and I forget I have them
1: ah and, yeah yeah yeah. but another
0: pair because like i said i'm 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 super busy so if i'm not at work you know before covid but if i was in the office i'd be working and then i come home and then if you know i had t-shirt orders or anything i'd print t-shirt orders and i'd sit down i'd draw a little bit you know i, I really didn't go a lot I, I didn't go a lot of places so the few and far between times that i would go places i would try to find a pair that i hadn't worn But kind of the kid in me saying, nah, it's going to rain. Nah, it's going to be dirty. I can't wear those. Let me reach for a pair that I've already had on my feet. And that's how I've ended up wearing the same pair over and over again. And my wife, my wife, she comes in and she just kind of shakes her head. And it's become a running joke because they call it Mount Jordan because it just stacks up to the yeah, same.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love that.
0: <laughs> and I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to sell them. I'm going to get rid of them. She's like, no, because if you sell them, then, you know, you're going to be moping around here and I don't want to deal with that.
1: So- <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I love it. I love it. Um, and I get it. And then I can see how that's a vicious cycle. Vicious maybe is a strong word, but... <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's, it's my, uh, it's I my weakness do i don't drink coffee i don't i don't really spend a lot of money on other places it's cars and shoes and i'm like
1: oh my god okay what, what kind of if, car if my, well, i won't even go there actually I like cars too okay we'll have to talk again um were you gonna say something it looked like you were about to say something
0: no i was i was just gonna say i, I think that if if my financial advisor knew how much money well he knows how much money i spend on shoes that you know he would put me on a budget but i, I balance it out because i don't really spend money elsewhere
1: mm, yeah let's justify it let's talk like, about I
0: don't, it. I don't do the starbucks <laughs> coffee so i justify it by saying you know i'm not a latte guy so you know if you buy 10 lattes you know that's really kind of like the pair one, you know, one <laughs> it's not true but I, that's how it's pretty crazy how it. much like,
1: <laughs> like i hear you on that it's insane um Okay. Well, my
0: daughter's on that kick and she's 15. And I'm like, you don't you don't have a job. You can't drink $10. Yeah, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. She bet you better nip that in the bud right now. It could get out of control real fast.
0: McDonald's that's where you're gonna be getting coffee.
1: <laughs> 99 cents. That's okay. <laughs> but you to ask that. Point. Point. <laughs> um, all right, Chad, I want to just give you an opportunity, you know. Um Harry, for anyone that's listening, y'all know is the producer of the podcast who works around it. He's the one that reached out, found you. Yeah and y'all had the initial conversations. I trust him. He uh, somehow, I, I firmly believe, you know, trust the universe, It all happens as it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. No one that I've had on, I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't talk to you. Like, I always more. So I'm glad we connected, but I would love to know what made you say yes. Um, and is there any message that knowing, you know, the purpose of the podcast and all the mm-hmm. things we've talked about, anything you want to say that I didn't ask you about or that you think is a really important message to share. Now is your time.
0: Yeah, good question. Um, I, the reason I said yes is, you know, I'm open to new opportunities. I think that anytime that you have a chance to connect with people, especially people who are in the same space, people that um, that you see something that they're doing and it, it looks worthwhile, and you know they're getting it off the ground, lend what you can to it. Give them some energy, give them some air, and and try to make it happen. Um, what I also about before, that before, for sure. Yeah, and and I and I feel like. <clears throat> you know, just how polished it was when Harry reached out and, and, you know, he had it basically buttoned up any questions that I had, he answered it. And um I really didn't have too many reservations, but I just felt like this was positive and I'm really at that space where I feel like that we're at a, a deficit for positive interactions and just an opportunity to share, you know, sit back, share um and, and let the chips fall where they may. And that's really why I said, yeah, and one of the things that I think you know is really my mantra for the remainder of this year, and really going into twenty twenty one is, you know, we have to get back to a to a a position as people where we start seeing humanity in others, and mm-hmm. I think that's where that vulnerability is a it's a gamble, and that gamble is you know particularly, are you allowing yourself to be open. So that you will hopefully give license to others who are afraid of being open and being vulnerable to be that way. Because I feel like a lot of what we go through as a society is because we have all of these grievances and all of these alts, but there's no recourse for us to start identifying and, and reconciling those. And I think it really all starts with sharing. Because I guarantee you, when you sit and talk to somebody and you hear their story, it's difficult to demonize them at that point. And I think the more we talk and the more we hear we're more alike than we are different. And we have similar yet different experiences. You gain an appreciation for other people and where they've come from. So if there's one message I can leave. It's that is that we, we all have purpose. We, we are all uh, granted these inalienable rights by our creator. And that is where I think we need to start with relationship forming relationship with others.
1: Well, now I know really why you are meant to be on this podcast, is because that is literally the foundation of why this podcast exists. Um, it's when you're vulnerable with someone and you share and you create that connection, you can't hate them. You just can't. When someone's really opening themselves to you and it's beautiful, and just thank you for being that person and sharing it. Oh, no, str-
0: thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs>
1: It was amazing talking with you. And on that note, um, we're going to end this episode today. So thank you so much, Chan. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the One World Your Story podcast. If you enjoyed hearing this story and you wish to hear more, Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube. And of course, follow us on Instagram at One World, Your Story. From all of us here at the One World, Your Story podcast, we are sending you so much joy and love. Have a wonderful rest of your day.